super pumped about 2024. Hard to believe we're already there. Knowing myself to lead myself to lead others. It starts with self. I have to be aware that will never happen. Inhibition are those limiting beliefs I have about myself. Prohibition is, am I actually not allowed to do it? The beauty of just being open to what goals might find you in this next year instead of you going through your typical process or starting a new process. Hey, Alan. Katie, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm just super pumped about the new year. Super pumped about 2024. Hard to believe we're already there. You know, it's funny that you say that because I hear people say that a lot, but not going to lie. I feel like, yeah, like I'm, I'm ready. I feel like it is possible that it's 2024. I don't know. I didn't think 2023 went by super fast. And I don't know if you ever do this, but I'm notorious for being a year behind when it comes to writing anything, signing anything till about June or July. So I just prepare myself. We talk about self-awareness and knowing oneself. 24. Just remember 24. Okay. I know that I am supposed to approach that statement you just made through the lens of curiosity, but I'm really fighting the contempt lens because I'm kind of sort of offended that you would put me in the category of someone who doesn't find something like right on time. Okay. I might have to take your Enneagram one card away from you, Alan. And I wasn't implying it, but I, I did get to see a response. So mission accomplished. Okay. So I think today's episode is going to be super fun then because we are talking about kind of how we both approach the new year. You know, this is a time of year where people are starting to make resolutions. Some people are like resolutions, like shy away from them so far. I have seen this where like, I'm not even going to set a goal because I'm just so anti-resolution. So what I'm really looking forward to today is seeing where each of us through our different lenses falls on how we approach the new year. Absolutely. And part of this is, as we've talked, of coming at this from different perspectives. And we're, you're going to hear different perspectives today. The key is, as we've talked often, is the intentional versus accidental. How do I approach, in our case, a new year? What is the mindset? We talk about where the mind goes, so goes the actions. And so we're going to talk about that from a variety of angles today. But yes, I am very curious, Katie, to hear how you approach the new year. Okay, so let's jump in. All right, Alan, are you team New Year's resolution or are you team no New Year's resolution? Yeah, I'm maybe somewhere in between. And let me explain that a bit. There were, there were many years that I did lots of resolutions. I'm a planner by nature. And so I would, I would map out the whole year and plan and, and go from there. But life happens. And, and we talked about disruptions. Can be good disruptions. And what I found is that as I was not meeting some of those resolutions, and for me, more was better, then I began to throw them all out the window. And we'll talk about limiting beliefs here in just a minute. And so for me, what I have started doing over the last two to three years in, in my attempt to simplify is I will have a word for the year. And in this word helps govern my decisions. I still set goals, but it's a reminder to me in real time 
okay, what is it that I'm intentionally working on? Again, a mindset, attitude, and the behaviors. So I would say I'm somewhere in between, Katie. I, I definitely have intentionality in thinking about it and acting on it. I just don't do the traditional resolutions. Okay, so many things I want to comment on right now. Number one is I love the word approach. I have tried it, did not work for me. I'm wondering if it's because I chose the wrong word. And in 20, uh, probably about 2020 or 2021, I chose a word. Are you ready for it? Yes. Come on. Ambiguity. Mm -hmm. How do you think that worked out for me? <laughs> I bet it was just you and your happy place, 365 days. The question is, how many days into January did I say, this is the year that I embrace ambiguity and actually embrace ambiguity? Did, did you make it to, to mid-January? I didn't make it to January 2nd. Are you kidding me? I was home all day on the 1st with my family and there was like nothing to do and so much ambiguity. I was like, forget this. But... I know a lot of people that choose the word and that's something that really works for them. So I'm curious, number one, do you have your word for 2024 and are you willing to share it? And then at some point while we're talking through this, I want to hear how you just practically weave that word into what you do. Yeah. So yeah, let me answer the, the first question. So yes, this is my word of the year. It's the word kenosis. Now, it's a word that I was not familiar with until probably a year or two ago in, in some readings and, and reflection. And it's K-E-N-O-S-I-S. -S. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I didn't know I was going to need to get my dictionary out. Hang on. K-E-N-O-S-I-S. -E I S I is that like mitosis or <laughs> Ooh, could be something along those lines. It, it's a great Scrabble word, by the way. Studying too much seventh grade science. OK, continue. So it's a word that means emptying, emptying out. And what do I mean by that? As someone whose wheels are going 24 seven and I'm, I'm talking mentally here, constantly thinking constantly filling myself with distractions, whether it's my phone, the things that we deal with every day because we live in reality. One of the things I've noticed, and this kind of even ties back to health in the peace index, is that I'm exhausted so much of the time, in large part because the constant analysis that I will go through mentally on every single thing. And and so in that, I began to reflect on, okay, how can I free up my mind more? Meaning, maybe I don't analyze everything quite to the same extent. Maybe I take some time and just sit and not think. Hard to do. This word is that reminder for me, even when I want to tackle everything. I can do all that. Oh, oh yeah, I'll do everything. It's an emptying, it's how do I serve others, but at the same time, not feeling that tendency more, more, more. I need to feel more. I need to do more. And this comes along a lot of the same themes we've talked about on previous episodes, but it is a word and there's meaning to it. And it will be a reminder to me, especially when I'm in the midst of thinking about all those things on January 2nd, 
and oh my gosh, analyzing, you know, every conversation, it's a reminder. Okay, Alan, slow down. What would it look like to think a little bit less, to empty yourself, giving, serving to others, but at the same time, not falling into that trap for me of, I must do this continuously. And if I don't, then there are the consequences fill in the blank. Mm, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That really gave me so much insight into what is important to you over this next year. And I know we don't have time to like really get into the weeds here, but I want to. But I think what's bubbling up for me that is so interesting, Alan, is that much of what you're talking about, I am trying to do as well. I just am going about it in a different way and in a way that works for me. So I am not a New Year's resolution person either. I've tried that. I've been there. When I think about a New Year's resolution, I realize that it really comes from more of a deficit mindset. Like there's something broken that needs to be fixed. But what I've learned in the past, especially like three or four years, is that there's nothing broken. It's all good. It's just it just could be better or could be different or we could explore, we could disrupt, we could try things. And so I think I shed the resolution idea a couple of years ago when I realized, you know what, there's nothing broken that needs to be fixed. It's just how can we seek to be better? So what I like to do is set some broad goals that are just beyond reach, not too aspirational. Don't want to, you know, fail at everything. Last year, I met three of my four big goals. Wow. And I was, I mean, as a path passing with a C, right? 75% <laughs> progress over perfection. But thinking about big, kind of some broad goals. And one of my, my number one broad goal this year is to spend as much quality time with my family as possible while also maintaining my responsibility to my career. And what that's going to require of me is presence. It's going to require that I spend, like you said, less time analyzing, less time spinning, less time just really trying to plan everything out. Because we know that if we just plan every minute down to the second, that's not really going to be quality time with my people. Now, the one thing you said that does confuse me is I think you said something about just sitting there and not thinking. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't thinking. So I'm like, what does that look like? You just like stare at the wall? I don't know. So I'm excited to hear more about that. And I'll unpack that in a second. But what I, I want to come back, though, Katie, to the process for you in, in describing the, those goals that you shared. And thank you for sharing those. I'm curious, what was the process leading up to setting those? It's mm, a great question. Thanks for asking. I spend a lot of time in what I call diffuse thinking. And I didn't come up with that term. I learned that from someone else. Diffuse thinking is that time where you are, and I'll probably bring this up on other episodes because it's really made a big difference to me. But if you think about the concept of, have you ever had a really great idea that's come to you like while you're in the shower, while you're doing something completely unrelated to the task at hand? 
versus sitting down and like being like, oh, I need to think of this really big idea. It comes to you while your brain is just kind of wandering and exploring these other things. And then you get that idea. So I spend a lot of just walking or time thinking. And I also run it by some key people in my life. I think we say in every episode, don't walk alone. So I run it by other people. And then I just kind of write it down and, and meditate on it. I start this process kind of like after Thanksgiving and just kind of see if it sticks. Is this something that I would be willing to write down? Because I write mine down. I put it on the front page of my planner. I write them down. Is this something I am willing to look at every day for the next year? Katie, I'm, I'm struck by something, and I think it's such a powerful insight. As long as I've known you, you're a go-getter. You get stuff done. I mean, type one, right? Achiever, get out of my way. And yet, in the process of setting these goals, you know, goals that are going to take some effort, you slow down mm. to arrive at goals that are going to, we're talking about being present and productive. And I'm hearing both of those things as you're talking. So it, it, it's fascinating to me that Katie's not going 100 miles an hour in setting these goals that may at times require you to go that mile per hour, but you're slowing down that, that RPM, so to speak, to think. And I was especially struck by that. Oh, thanks for pointing that out, Alan, because that's what I love about coaching and about, and, you know, this coming at the curiosity lens is that I didn't notice that about myself. And that is really unique for me to spend time because if you look at my, I mean, I always joke that my to-do lists have to-do lists because if you look at my daily stuff, it is like mile long, super detailed, fast paced, but you're right. That's slowing down and it still is productive. Like you said, it still gets things done, but for pot potentially for a, a much higher purpose. Yeah. There, there are times we need to slow down to speed up. And that may feel very counterintuitive because the, my mindset was always, I must go full on hard all the time to accomplish the most. And certainly seasons require us to go full on. But we talk about going the distance. We talk about sustainability. It's the slow and steady at times, but it is the slowing down, the emptying, the trying not to think or to think of fewer things for me, provides additional clarity in that. And so I want to challenge all of us. Do we ha take those moments? It may not be thinking about goals for the next year, but to intentionally slow down versus the, I've just got to keep going, going, going. One of the things that Katie also said was she gives herself time to simply Think about different things, diffuse thinking. And, and what I was struck by is you're tapping into left and right brain and, and allowing that to flow, right? It's not, I've got to have this thought right now. And the other thing you said, Katie, that I think is so valuable is you didn't form your goals in five minutes and I'm done. Mm -hmm. You said, okay, I've got some, I'm going to sit with it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to run it past some people that know me well, that, that I trust. Again, a process, taking time. I want to stress that point because I know for me, I can put a lot of pressure on myself. I've got to get that goal right now, and it better be perfect. 
what happens if I'm not able to get it in that moment? Maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm stressed, maybe I'm hangry. Then it could be, well, I can set any goals. I, and, and the frustration can build. So this is also about a rhythm. There's preparation leading to setting these goals. And though that may look different for each of us, there is an intentionality to it. So Katie, thanks for giving us such a powerful example. Mm, you're welcome. I'm curious, Alan, as you've been you know, talking about your word, one of the things that has come up for me is, again, one of the reasons I don't like New Year's resolutions is because if you don't meet them, for me, this is just for me, feels like failure, right? And, and then we can do this thing sometimes where if I failed at one thing, then I feel like I failed at everything. It's like overgeneralization, right? Or or there are other things that I've failed at, but I decide to just snow pile them all on top of each other in that moment. Like not only did I not do that one thing, but I also, you know, uh, can't, I burned that dinner. I, you know, didn't do a great job on that thing at work, et cetera. So I'm curious for you with the word approach, I'm curious what that looks like when you find yourself not engaging in kenosis or I don't actually know how to use that word properly yet. <laughs> Is it a noun? Is it a verb? I don't know. Oh, don't get into grammar, Katie. Okay. But do you see what I'm asking? That was like a classic Katie, like a really long-winded question. But I'm just picturing like, okay. When you start out January 1st with this word, that's like, I want to have this emptying out. Like, that sounds so lovely to me, Alan. But I know there's going to be times where you're going to have to fight that. So what does that look like? Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it again from, from the lens of the Enneagram. And as a type 1 and type 9, very close to both. I know Katie wants me to turn in my type 1 card, but I'm going to keep holding on to it. There are lots of challenges because this gets back to key motivators. Okay, a couple things about the type one, right? It's perfection. It's change and change quickly. Get things done. Move along. Okay, when we talk about resolutions or a word of the year, what that can mean for me, and it has in the past, is that by January 2nd, I, I should have this figured out. I know it's for the entire year. But I'm highly competent in it. I've been able to do it. Now I can repeat it. Let's move on. That doesn't happen. And so to Katie's point, then what? Well, for me, then the self-contempt begins to really flow. Oh, I failed again. Good grief, Alan. Try harder. Are you still not getting it? You know, that, that inner critic that can be very harsh. We've talked about self-contempt doesn't stay contained. It will ripple out to others-centered contempt. So that goes to others. And as, as we've talked many times, it starts with self. I have to be aware, knowing myself to lead myself to lead others. Why do I choose a word of the year? It gives me more freedom. It's hard. And as Katie said, these goals need to stretch us. If I can already do it, I'd say it's probably not a big enough goal. But if I can give myself some freedom, and this comes from the appreciative inquiry, what did I do well when it came to emptying, emptying myself out today? 
Well, there was an example. Okay, let me hold to that. There were lots of examples where I didn't. Okay, that's reality. Do I approach it from the deficit-based, which is I messed up here, here, and here? Do I approach it from more of that positive, the appreciative inquiry? I did really well when that patient, Jim, came in and I was really intent on serving him and I was pouring myself out to serve him. A mindset, it makes a huge difference. Let me talk about the type nine and the challenge that I will face in this space. So, so type nines, that harmonizer, really sensitive to the needs of all those around them, can struggle to be sensitive to their own needs. In this emptying out, that can appear to be a challenge for me because, well, I need to do more. I need to serve more. There's more people to help. And, and who am I? to say, oh, well, no, I'm not going to do as much. I'm not going to think as much. People depend on me. I've got to make sure everyone gets along. Now, these types are, there are a lot more than that, but there's going to be challenges for me in this space at various times and in various settings. That's also helpful. At no point have we said, this is easy stuff. This is hard, very, very hard. And though the word of the year for 2025 will likely change, this is ongoing work. But I will say for me, the word gives me more freedom because there's an ability to apply it at various times and places. And I find for me, as someone that's wrapped up in perfection, that to be helpful. Hmm. I love that. One of the things that you said about appreciative inquiry, I think applies to my goal setting approach as well, because you know, I keep my goals where I see them every day. And some days I, so when my second goal is to qualify for the Boston Marathon, which that felt a little scary to put that out there. <clears throat> but there are things that I will do daily to try to get to this goal. But there will be days where I don't get that run in or I don't sleep well. I don't eat as well as I had intended to. And instead of looking through that lens of contempt, like, you know what, I, I failed, I can look at, okay, maybe I didn't hit that pace that I wanted or eat that thing that I should have, but what did I do well towards meeting that goal? I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marinate on that for, for just a minute because I think that's a piece that I want to add to my process. Maybe even a check-in in real time, like, okay, at the end of the day, looking at my big goals going, okay, what did I do? What went well for me today towards these big goals? I want to throw out another illustration that speaks to what Katie just said. And before I do that, a reminder to one we've talked about, how's your oxygen mask? Mm -hmm. Meaning I can't give away what I don't possess. So am I putting my mask on first? I want to add a second illustration that for me is helpful. How's your backpack? What do I mean by that? Every time I don't meet a goal, and I love Katie's goal of the, the Boston Marathon, I failed, I didn't get up early, I didn't run as, as far, I didn't meet my time. Add another back to the back, a rock to the backpack. That's a fail. Mm. And I can't fail. Mm -hmm. Five days, two weeks, a month of focusing only on the things that I didn't do perfectly. 
add another rock. Play that out for a few weeks, a few months. Carry around another 20 pounds on your back. It takes a toll. And so for some, this may not be an issue. I know for myself, and, and I can speak for Katie, I believe on this, this is a huge issue of looking at the imperfections and they are there. We're actually going to talk about imperfections here in a couple of weeks. Uh, if I show up for that episode. Yeah. I was hoping there was going to be a guest and that I was going to listen remotely. But, but the mindset here is really important. And why do I say that? Because that self-contempt for me can lead to a pit of despair. And this is what Katie was speaking to earlier of, well, I didn't do that go well. I failed there. I failed there. And so now I look through the lens of that contempt in everything I do. Well, yeah, I didn't, dinner wasn't as good tonight. I didn't say the right thing there. And you can see where that can lead. And so what started out as setting goals to want to grow and improve actually has had more of a detrimental effect because now I'm just putting more rocks in that backpack. And so this gets to that, to that lens of, of curiosity. And it also speaks to how can we continue to celebrate the things we do well. And there is no insignificant celebration here. So it may be, you know, I didn't feel like it this morning, but I got up and walked 10 minutes before work. Celebrate it. Versus my mindset of, well, I should have done 20. only did 10. Come on, Alan. And you see the difference. It's the same action, but the mindset, the attitude is very, very different. Mm, the same action, but a different mindset and a different attitude. I love that. That is something, that, and the beauty is, is that each new day we can come back to that. Each hour we can come back to that. Whatever rhythm, you know, there are seasons where we're moving from minute to minute, hour to hour, and then potentially we can slow down a little bit. Well, Alan, you had mentioned something earlier about the inner critic. And um, if if our listeners have gone back to an episode earlier, we talked about the inner critic and taming it. And your inner critic's name is Whitworth. So I'm curious if you and Whitworth have had a little convo about kenosis and what role he plays in that and or did you just tell him? Listen, this is what we're doing this year. Get out of here. Yeah, it's it's a great insight. And I'm impressed you remembered Whitworth. Oh, I can picture Whitworth. I still picture him. He he's not nice. I won't put the picture up for those of you who who watch us online. Yeah, one thing I need to say about this, and I'm glad you brought it up, Katie, is that Whitworth has not gone away. And that is not our goal here. For many years, I believed I needed to silence permanently the inner critic. Well, we asked the question, how's that working out for you, Alan? Not so well. Why do I say that? The amount of energy to, for me to say, stop doing that, don't do that, is, is exhausting. Hence my kenosis. My inner critic will be there. We all have one. That inner critic is going to be there. So let's, let's identify that as reality. Where I can begin to make choices, though, is do I buy into the inner critic or not? Because the, the critic will come. You didn't do that as well. You should have caught that typo. You were, you were mean to a coworker. I mean, these things happen. And so when that happens, as it will, then I make a choice. 
do, do I buy into the fact that I should have walked 20 minutes instead of 10? Or I can say, no, you know what? I choose to celebrate those 10 minutes. And so I go into the word of the year, these goals, knowing there's going to be an inner critic, there's going to be challenge, there's going to be resistance, but I don't let that defeat me. Again, approaching it with curiosity. Huh, that's interesting that I, I struggled to celebrate that 10-minute walk. Huh, I wonder what's going on there versus oh, I cannot believe I didn't walk 20. I am such a failure. Again, being aware that inner critic is, is there. And so in the process of this, it's awareness and we live in reality. But I will say coming at it from more of that appreciative inquiry, that positive approach for me helps minimize the intensity of the inner critic. Mm, okay, that was such a good reminder. So Whitworth just gets a little lollipop and, you know, stay over there where you belong, but not going to try to try to get rid of him forever. Okay, that's good. And these are choices that we make. The inner critic for me will always find things. Absolutely. But it's making the choice of I'm going to celebrate the things that I do well. And all of us do things well every day. The, the fact that I'm even thinking about how do I empty my mind today is a victory because in the past, it wasn't even on my radar. And so these are these not small, but very significant steps. And it is a process and it is a, a journey. My Whitworth is all about instant success and always succeeding. Well, that will never happen. And so being aware of that, but also now recognizing where do I see those moments of growth? And, and the last thing I'll say on this before I want to ask Katie a question is when we're in the midst of this, as we all will be, it's hard to see any progress. For me, when I can take some time and basically slow down, back up and observe, kind of staying off the path. And looking at myself objectively, I recognize I'm in new terrain. What appeared to be lack of progress, actually, the balls move down the field some. This is the slow and steady. It's the, it's the tortoise and the hare, for those of you who grew up reading that as I did. The slow and steady wins the day. But in the midst of it, it can feel like I'm not moving, I'm stuck. And there are times where we are. But it's that day-to-day -day reminder, okay, how can I take a moment today, think a little bit less, or empty myself in helping someone, or saying no to something? Those are successes because over time, and science backs this up, we're creating new neural pathways. And in that, that's where the mind begins to shift, right? And in that, then our actions begin to improve. Okay, so I was, I was going to ask you a, a question, Katie. Oh. Okay. And you can pick any of the goals you shared. Oh, okay. When you were writing those down, was there, and you can give me just one or more, a limiting belief that you have about yourself that might have caused hesitancy, pause? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we talk about limiting beliefs. And so I was curious, as you were making those goals, did any appear? Okay, let's first do this. When you say limiting belief, will you define that so I make sure I answer the question correctly? Yeah, a, a limiting belief can be what we call inhibition. 
and this comes from self. It, it can come from others who have told us you're not smart enough, you're not athletic enough, you're not talented enough. But the limiting belief is something I believe about myself that, as the term implies, inhibits my doing something. We're talking about setting goals, setting goals that stretch us. Limiting beliefs say you can't do that. You, who says you can do that? You're, you're not whatever. We all have them. It's important to identify them, again, because if not, those limiting beliefs can really limit the inhibition us from doing things that we're more than capable of doing. I do have limiting beliefs about all of my big goals. The one that probably stands out the most, and tell me if you think this fits within limiting belief, is my big goal, my number one goal, which is spending the most quality time possible with my family. I think that the narrative that comes up for me is that's great. That sounds great and good while you're on this week off from work and the kids are home. That sounds great. But history, your past behaviors will tell you that when new shiny opportunities come up at work or at other places. It's not just work where I like to volunteer and be busy and do all the things. When those come up in the past, you don't say no to those. So what makes you think that this is the year that you're actually going to say no to them? It's a great example. And as you're hearing, Katie, there's data there. This is why this is, can be so difficult. Katie's not simply making this up in her head. There's data. And so this is why those beliefs can be so hard and so ingrained. And, and it's great insight to recognize where is this coming from? And as we've mentioned before, the more specific we can be in naming those limiting beliefs, the more powerful. So Katie, I, I'd love to keep walking through this process. So you've done some of that self-reflection. You've looked back previous times. You're living in the present moment. What continued to go through your mind as you wrote those goals down? That's a great question. So when I think about, okay, spending the quality time with my family, that means that I am going to have to use this as the lens through which I make decisions about how I spend my time. And so I almost, the, the picture that I get is holding my family, the quality time with my family in one hand and this other opportunity in the other and being able to make that decision. And just because in the past I may have made a different decision doesn't mean that moving forward, I can't make a different decision. I can't choose my family over this opportunity. Or I can't choose to not say yes to that opportunity right now, but maybe it's no right now, but yes in the future. Or maybe it's yes, but in a smaller role or a smaller part that I might play in that opportunity. And then looking at how that impacts my goal and my work towards that goal. I don't know that I answered your question, but that's kind of what came up for me. No, you did. And, and I, I want to throw out another distinction here. As Katie is talking, do you, do you, and I'll let our listeners like answer this question to themselves. Do you hear Katie being prohibited from anything she said? And this is the distinction between inhibition and prohibition. 
Inhibition are those limiting beliefs I have about myself, which we just mentioned. Prohibition is, can I, am I actually not allowed to do it? Meaning, okay, I'm not going to break a law to do X. Right. Which, which sounds kind of like, okay, come on, silly, Alan. But it can be easy to interchange these. And for me to believe I'm prohibited from doing, or Katie's prohibited from doing what she just said, she's not. Well, and I think maybe my qualifying for Boston, it, that's one that I didn't choose to talk about because I think what I've got there is more of prohibition. I've been fighting a hip injury. And the reality is, is that if I am injured, I will not be able to qualify. That is that is prohibition, right? Yeah. I mean, it just is what it is. It's the laws of the universe. If I'm injured, I can't run. But inhibition would be that narrative of, well, you've never been fast. Why would you think that you could be fast enough to do this now? Right? Mm, that's a great application of, of using them both. Absolutely. And that is another piece of having this time to reflect and to really be able to discern, is there inhibition? Is there prohibition? And in, as we go through this, because there will be resistance. It, we've talked about a lot of internal. Katie alluded a little bit to external resistance. Maybe I've been told, well, Katie, you're not fast enough. Well, you can never spend that time with your family, or you're never doing enough at work, or you're, you can't get a PhD, whatever it may be. That can, that can certainly factor into our limiting beliefs of things others have said. And so this is the specificity. It's the recognition of, okay, what is the source of that? Is that in fact true? This is another example of needing those people around us that we trust to be able to say, oh, Katie, that's not true. Oh, of course you can do X or we see you doing Y all the time. Another reason why, as, as Katie mentioned earlier, to never travel alone. It's mm, good. Katie, I want to I shift gears now, and, and this is something that I'm not saying people need to do, should do. And, and I know I give a qualifier there, but I feel like this is a time where I really do qualifier. Um, there may be some of you out there that are in a season or a point where you're, you're faced with potentially some huge opportunity. And the literature calls these big, hairy, audacious goals. <laughs> I did not come up with that, but Google, Google it. You'll find all sorts of information. And so there may be some of you out there who are at a point, maybe it's a crossroads. This could be personal. This could be professional where this season, this going into a new year feels different than previous years. And you may be faced with, oh, I've got this one big thing and it terrifies me. And potentially it also excites me. And so this is another instance of identifying what's going on. I will tell you for myself, my limiting beliefs here go through the roof because they are such big goals that... I know I'm going to need significant help from others. This is something I cannot accomplish on my own. 
And, and so I throw that out there as if any of you are in that space, this is where traveling with others is essential because the stakes can go up significantly. Leaving a job, starting a new career, moving locations, I mean, all of those things, financial investment, these are, these are, can be some really big, big things. So I simply throw that out there of the recognition in that and the importance in the process that Katie gave earlier is so valuable. You've been thinking about it. You've given yourself time. It's not a knee-jerk reaction, and I can knee-jerk in emotion. You've, you've talked to you know, wise counselors and gotten input from people who know you and trust you and will speak the truth. Because big, hairy, audacious goals for me have a bit of a different mindset and, and a, a bit of a different approach for me because the stakes are really, really high. And that can be, as I had mentioned, terrifying and exhilarating. But knowing that I have to have a team around me in this and to also gain, gain and glean wisdom, is this the right time? I could be right and wrong at the same time. Right goal, wrong time. And so I need others to be able to speak that truth in, into me if I'm pursuing one of those in 2024. Hmm. So are you pursuing a big, hairy, audacious goal in 2024? I would say yes. There is one, there is one percolating. I, I will not share at this moment because it is percolating. And if I take my own advice, right, um, I don't just immediately share. But I will walk, I will walk us through that process a, as it continues. I will say it is so much bigger than anything I could accomplish and I can get a lot done. And I know I can't do it on my own, which is hard for Mr. Independent here. But this is me applying it in real time. And so I will, I will share as we go throughout updates, lessons learned, things not to do, successes, all of that. Because we're real on the, on the podcast. And so if that's helpful, we'll, I will definitely share. Well, if that doesn't have... Uh, give people a reason to keep coming back every week to hear about Alan's big, hairy audacious goal did i get that right yeah if that doesn't keep people from coming back i don't know i don't know what would and we'll have t-shirts we'll have everything so we'll have merch so just stay tuned look at you being all hip i know yeah this gen xer you know i'm i'm definitely definitely hip i won't go down i was going to go to an 80s reference real quick i'm gonna i'm gonna refrain from from doing that Katie, we've talked about a, a variety of different things today. Anything that stands out to you or anything you wanted to share? We, we kind of put a wrap on, on this year and on this podcast. I'm, I'm curious if anything's coming to the surface. Well, you know, it's funny because what just popped into my head was, you know, the fact that, yes, as we're, as we're wrapping up 2023, we're moving into 2024, thinking about the, just the podcast itself and the fact that this time last year, this was really just kind of a twinkle in our eyes and how even though it wasn't a goal that was written down for me, it's been such an incredible journey to watch it unfold. And so I think maybe it's also the beauty of just being open to what goals might find you 
in this next year instead of you going through your typical process or starting a new process, but you know, being open to those goals that might find you. Mm. I, I love that language, goals that find you. And this speaks to flexibility. And though we set goals or a word of the year or New Year's resolutions at the, at the end of the previous year, we also hold these things loosely and with, with open arms, open hands, because things do change. The flexibility, am I willing to adjust? Am I willing to perhaps that goal, I met it or didn't? Okay, here's a new one. This is not an equation. It's not a formula. And I know for many of us scientists, that can be like, oh, I just want an equation. But to Katie's point, having the gratitude and then recognizing that things may find us throughout the year. And am I willing to adjust and, and meet those opportunities as they come? That's great, great insight. And I'm taking that away because that gets to that flexibility. And I think that is so, so essential. So Katie, as always, great conversation. Excited to see 2024 um, as our words and our goals and everything unfold. Um, it's going to be a great year. Awesome. Thanks, Alan. See you later.